0: Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips.
1: Hi. Hi, it's Suzanne Phillips, and thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. Today is October 10th. That's World Mental Health Day, a day observed by the World Federation for Mental Health Education, Awareness, and Advocacy. We don't have to look too far to recognize that most of us deal with stress on a daily basis in our work lives, in our families, and in our relationships. Many, in addition, face unspeakable events trauma from violence, illness, or unexpected loss. When we add that to the reality that most of us have phones or devices, and that on a nonstop basis, we are alerted to events. In the states and worldwide, in terms of violence, political contention, hurricanes, school shootings, it goes without saying that people of every age deal with stress. And our show today is going to try to address that. Our show is Mindful Tips to Support Mental Health in Adults and Kids. Our guest expert today is Julie Potiker, mindfulness expert and author of a great book, Life falls apart, but you don't have to. Mindful methods for staying calm in the midst of chaos. Julie is going to draw upon personal experience and professional training to share tools to reduce stress and empower the lives of adults, teens, and kids. Julie Potiker is an attorney who began her serious study and investigation of mindfulness after graduating from the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program at the University of California, San Diego. She went on to become trained to teach mindfulness self-compassion and completed the positive neuroplasticity training professional course with Rick Hansen. She shares these and other mindfulness techniques through her mindful methods for life trainings which she gives throughout the country. Julie Poddicker, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live.
2: Thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here.
1: I'm so glad. So Julie, I'm going to ask you the question that I think a number of listeners might be thinking. What makes an attorney turn into a mindfulness expert?
2: Well, the short answer is parenting <laughs> <laughs> okay that's a
1: long answer, but I get
2: it okay, yeah, that's a big answer um i I had difficult kids, you know not not typically developing kids. they're in their twenties now, everything's fine um, but there was a period in my life uh when they were all teenagers and they all had a d h d that I was so stressed out that the wrong words were coming out of my mouth. And I went to a neurologist to rule out a brain tumor, and he recommended mindfulness-based stress reduction. And that's what put me on this path uh, that I'm still on today.
1: Okay, so what is mindfulness, and why does this work, Julie?
2: Okay, so mindfulness, there's so many definitions
1: for it, but how
2: I like to think about it is it's being in the moment without judgment so it's noticing what you're doing when you're doing it and because our brains are wired to ruminate and worry because we're primates mindfulness breaks that discursive loop of worrying and ruminating by putting you right here right now
1: so instead of automatically going to a negative knee-jerk feeling like oh my god I don't know I don't know if I could if my daughter's gonna be okay or I don't know if I can handle the kids. You stop it and you take charge in some right. way. Okay. Right, right.
2: And there's fantastic techniques to do that, which we'll talk about this hour, you know? hmm But the well, end result is that you're giving your brain a break from all okay. that.
1: Okay, so let's go with, I know, workplace stress, I mean, 40% of workers describe their job as more stressful than anything else in their life. Um, So I'm a person in the workplace. I'm very, very nervous whenever I have to give a report to the rest of the team. Um, Sometimes it makes me lose my place. Sometimes it makes me say embarrassing things. How could a mindfulness technique help me? What might I draw upon for strategies? Right. So,
2: the first thing you'd want to do is to slow everything down in your body. And the way to do that, the easiest way to do that is to ground yourself through the soles of your feet. So, you could be sitting at your desk or you could be standing up um, and you just drop your attention, your awareness to the soles of your feet inside your shoes. And whether you're wearing um, socks or pantyhose, you... um, feel? Do your feet feel warm? Do they feel cool? Do they feel dry? Do they feel moist? You can kind of move your, your weight from one to the other, and that right there drops your attention from worrying and ruminating down to something else. The other mm-hmm. thing, if breath is comfortable for you, You can do a series of breathing in for four and breathing out for six or eight because when your exhale is longer than your inhale, as you know, your heart rate goes down and your blood pressure goes down and it slows you down and it calms you down. So sometimes the the soles of the feet is quicker um. Once you get used to it, or even the sit bones in your, like I'm sitting in my car right now and while I'm talking to you, I'm doing it. I'm dropping my attention down to my sit bones in my car, in the seat of my car.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I, I want our listeners to know, and some may have tried some mindfulness techniques, but even the one you're talking now about, the focus on the soles of your feet is really very grounding and it might sound simplistic or like how really could that really help but as we know with mindfulness small is big that that shift is even if it's for a few almost just a minute or so just shifts things
2: a minute is actually a long time it would be awesome if somebody could do that for a minute i mean and and uh, once your once the discursive loop is broken, then you can use other tools to change the channel in your mind, in your brain, um, so that you're more calm.
1: Okay. So, how would what would happen next then, Julie, in terms of changing that? So, channel? what I
2: would do. So, so using your same hypothetical that you're nervous at work about, let's say, a report or public speaking or whatever, what, what I love to do with, I call those negative emotions. I shouldn't necessarily be judging them, but they're not pleasant, right? So any emotion that feels unpleasant, like anxiety or fear or grief or sadness or anger or whatever, there's an acronym called RAIN, R-A-I-N, and the R is recognize that you're having the emotion and label it. So you'd say to yourself, Oh, that's anxiety coming up in my body. You know, your your heart's racing a little bit, maybe your palms are sweaty. So that's the R, labeling it. The minute you label it, you calm your brain down. It actually calms your am- amygdala, which is the most primitive part of your brain and that's where that's coming from that's where that somatic feeling's coming from oh that's anxiety so you've labeled it then the a is allow you allow it to be there i do not recommending allowing it to be there all day you just allow it to be there for long enough for you to deal with it the i is investigate well of course i'm feeling nervous I generally don't dig public speaking, and I'm about to have to give a report at work. And then the N is nourish and also not identify. So not identify is don't run away with the storyline. I always screw up. I'm going to lose my place. You know, people are going to laugh at me, whatever. So don't go there. So not identify. And nourish is what do I need to hear right now, which is the self-compassion spin on the end of rain, which is telling yourself what you would tell a dear friend.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd say to
2: myself, Julie, sweetheart, Julie, sweetheart, you're, you've got this. You know this material. You're an expert in this. Everything is going to be fine. Just do the best you can. And if for some reason you screw up a little bit, Give yourself a hug for it because everybody screws up and just show your grace under fire.
1: Mm. It's one of those things that if your friend described the problem, you would probably say to your friend, Julie, you got it. You, you know how to do this. And anyone would be exactly. anxious in your shoes. So what you're doing is moving it from that fight, flight, panic to your own conversation with yourself. Which you're saying really exactly. drops. hmm Drop. It really drops exactly. that exactly the panic. Now, one thing I think. Yeah, you're being
2: your own. You're 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 being your own best friend is what you're doing, mm-hmm. which is one of the central tenets of mindful self-compassion. the the three The three legs of that whole curriculum. The first one's mindfulness, because you have to know that you're suffering to be kind to yourself, the second one is self-kindness, and the third is common humanity. Jeez, common humanity, there's what, almost 8 billion of us? Probably (laughs) 5 billion of of us don't like public speaking.
1: (laughs) Uh, Julie, I always tell the story of someone I knew who was going to run the Milrose Games in Madison Square Garden, and she told the coach, I'm not running today. And he said, what, what do you mean you're part of a relay team? She goes, no, I'm not running. I'm too anxious to run. And he said, you're supposed to be anxious. You're in Madison Square Garden. You're running the Millrose Games. You can't do this without anxiety. So it's that normalizing it um, and, and doing that for yourself is what you're saying.
2: Exactly. We are so powerful. What we can do for ourselves is so magnificent.
1: Now, so many people, you know, some people roll their eyes because everyone's talking about uh, mindfulness. One thing you underscore in the book that I think is really important is, remember, you're retraining. So if you do it once and it's okay, but not so perfect, you've got to do this until it becomes the automatic default, It can't, just right now, the stress and the anxiety is the default, but you correct me. If you really want this stress reduction to be the default, you've got to really try this many times, correct?
2: Oh yeah, you have to practice when you don't need it to have it when you do. And you know what was interesting? When you you, um, read your intro on the air at the beginning of the hour... And mm-hmm. you were talking about all the different calamities. I noticed that I had my hand on my heart. Okay. Well, the reason I had my hand on my heart was I was giving myself soothing touch. Because you were talking about, like, uh, I don't even remember the whole laundry list of bad things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like mass shootings, earthquakes, hurricanes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And my, my default, which I don't even think about anymore, is, oh, there's stress coming up in my body, there's anxiety, I'm listening to what she's saying, I'm going to downregulate that by putting my hand on my heart, which is my soothing touch, which releases yeah. oxytocin and, endorph- and endorphins to downregulate the cortisol that's that's going on fight, flight, freeze when I'm thinking about all those calamitous things that we live with every day.
1: You know, I'm so glad that you're mentioning this and your use of it, because if you ask any of us, we know we have done it. We see our children, our babies, our grandchildren, dysregulated or anxious. We put them on our lap. We'll hold a partner's hand. Everybody pets dogs. Everybody hugs cats. So we do it. By extending it to others, and then we get that release also. It's kind of mutual. But in your exactly. book, you, you really make it clear we can do this to ourselves. There is nothing hokey yeah, about you know, it. When I first
2: started doing it, I was shocked.
1: At how it worked? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, I mean I think it's shocking that we can do that for ourselves. That's what I mean about us being so powerful. And the idea that we could rewire our brains for happiness and resilience sounds like science fiction. But right. It, it works. And it and and all we have to do is practice taking in positive mental states and noticing them when we have them so they don't go to waste. It's like, oh, that's a beautiful sunset. What's for dinner? No, 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 no. It's like, oh, that's a beautiful sunset. Wow. Look at those colors. Just in that couple moments of noticing, that created a happy bridge in my brain. And that helps well, counteract the neg- negativity bias that we have because we're
1: primates. So let's let's just go back for a minute. So it's worth us talking about the self soothing and your example is beautiful because in some ways if you expect you expect to feel good when you when you hug the puppy if you expect as you did to feel a drop in anxiety and a sense of self care that and and oxytocin to counteract the cortisol when you put your hand on your heart that's a part of what's happening. You believe in it, and in fact, your body follows suit. So just trying, as you say, practicing is it can be an amazing thing, but it's also the road to making it work. Now, then you just mentioned the sunset, and I wondered, can you describe a little bit what you call the HEAL method? Because I think that that's, people will say, well, I took a walk, I looked at the trees, I came back depressed. So let's let's talk a little bit about that H-E-A-L method, because that's connected with that, I think.
2: Yeah, that is most magnificently taught by Rick Hansen, who uh, I just left a, a 10-day retreat of his, but I did his positive neuroplasticity um, professional course and I've taken all his online courses. He ended up being my mentor, I'm so lucky, and he blurbed on my book. So HEAL is his acronym, and it's for having a positive experience, and then that's the H, and then the E is enriching it, and the A is absorbing it, and those kind of really work together, which all he means by that is really let it land in your body for a couple moments. So like if you're having a happy th- a happy experience or a happy thought or whatever, don't let it go by so fast. Just really take it in. And if you are a mindfulness person and you can notice where it's going on in your body, where you're having a good happy feeling, is it like a, an expansion in your chest or like a warm feeling in your belly or does it just feel super cool in your head? you're really absorbing it and that what wires together fires together so neurons are firing in your brain and you're creating a happy bridge
1: mm-hmm. and the
2: l we don't really need to deal with that's linking and that's linking that positive vibe with something negative negative. and i um that's a more advanced technique and I frankly, between you and me and all of your listeners, I don't do it because I don't really want to dredge up something negative and work with it.
1: Mm. But you draw upon, so my example would be, so I'm a swimmer and when I'm underwater, I try to take a mental picture of everything about it, the feeling of it, the look of it, and the, the gratitude that I can do this. Um, and that. I carry with me, especially in the winter, Julie, <laughs> when, when I don't get that opportunity uh-huh. so much. So I think it's like you're saying collect those kinds of experiences so you can draw upon them to help your body stay in a more regulated place. Okay, so you
2: just said something different but brilliant. So I have a memory bank of positive mental states that I can pull up when I feel bad and plunk in and re-experience to change the channel, which is what you would be doing in the winter, calling up all those positive feelings of you swimming. Okay. So right. in the first set of hypos, what we were talking about was while you're having the good experience, notice it and let it land. And in the second, Second example, it was calling up a memory of a good experience. So I do that regularly. So after I do a RAIN practice where, like, I'm, I'm nervous and I R-A-I-N and I tell myself what I want to, what I need to hear, I will then change the channel by popping in a memory of some fabulous experience that I've
1: had. I want us to come back to this. We're going to have to take a brief break. Um, Listeners, we're coming back to some of these wonderful strategies. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Julie Potiker. She's a mindfulness expert, and her book, which is really worth getting and reading, Life Falls Apart, but you don't have to. Stay with us. Much more to come.
0: We all know that today our country is in many ways run by vested interests which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune into All Rise, the libertarian way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and And our children. Tune in Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for behind the scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though, so this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. are Listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. Hi, folks.
1: Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking about mindful methods for staying calm in the midst of chaos. Our guest and expert is Julie Poddicker. She's the author of Life Falls Apart, but you don't have to. Julie, uh, one of the things I mentioned at the break is sometimes a parent starts to really use this for themselves. As you said, you were drawn to these to deal with your teens. But sometimes our kids, you know that your teen, if it's a boy... I think you've had a boy, I had boys, um, they're not going to tell you, but you know they go silent, something's up, um, Your daughter, the daughters may be a little bit more dramatic or expressive, but not always, but they're clearly upset, maybe they're afraid of being bullied, they're afraid of being left out, how do we even approach teens to introduce something like the strategies we're mentioning to put in their toolbox? Yeah,
2: good, big, huge question. So, when, um, when one of my twin daughters was, I'm thinking 15, because I know she didn't drive yet, I took her to a mindfulness-based stress reduction adaptation for teens class, and I went with her. Um, but she was, actually, she went sort of against her will. I told her it was, we were doing this. <laughs> um, and... She claimed at the time, it was a four-week thing, once a week for about an hour and a half, and she claimed at the time that she didn't get anything out of it because she was a teenager. Um, Meanwhile, she got a ton out of it, and it planted the seeds, um, and she's been, for the past 10 years, a very committed meditator, and she got it from that, that the meditation helps create. The pause, it slows you down, and in that pause is really your ability to respond instead of react. So there's actually, if any of your listeners have teenagers and they go to the centerformsc.org website, there's actually a course for, for teens called Making Friends with Yourself, the Mindful Self-Compassion Adaptation for Teens, and it's being taught all over the world now to teenagers in various schools. And it's a phenomenal curriculum because they took the grown up curriculum and they adapted it. Um, but it's interesting to note that, that your brain doesn't fully myelinate until your mid to late-ish 20s. So they're considering mm-hmm. teens all the way up to age 26, 27. Mm, so, and there's sense. a workbook making friends with yourself for teens that's very helpful for parents to read, to um to discuss with their teens.
1: It sounds great. They sound great. The other thing that you did that I think is is uh, instructive is when we go with the teen to take the course with the teen, even though they're rolling their eyes, they're not the identified patient or person with the problem. You know, it's like everybody could use stress reduction training. And I think, uh, you know, it's even what we say about the video games. You can complain about them or you could sit down and uh, join in uh, as, a, as a way of bridging with your kids. But So that's those are great, great um, uh, resources to share. I was, in your book, one of the things you talk about is the here and now stone as a way of grounding. Maybe you could mention it, because I think I have a good example for it. Yeah,
2: I'm rubbing mine right now. Um, okay. you can. That's another thing, like grounding yourself through the soles of your feet or using um, a mala with the 108 beads or using a rosary. It's some kind of tactile thing that when you... So when you drop your awareness or your attention to it and you feel it and you look at it and you think about, wow, this is, a, is this lapis lazuli? I wonder how old this is and what mountain this came from. What you're doing is you're breaking the loop of worrying and ruminating. And kids mm-hmm. love stones. They can even paint stones, you know, well, and we can talk about gratitude practices also along in this vein, for helping kids, because there's all kinds of cool ways to help them with a gratitude journal, a jar, a this or that, that they create themselves.
1: Well, uh, in in sync with this, the American Group Psychological Association, we go out and do a camp for military kids, um, Julie, each summer, and we used this year scribble stones. And we invited the kids to make them either gratitude stones or kindness stones or grounding stones. And they just loved it. And it it occurred to me the whole idea of something that grounds you. If you watch the tennis open, and I know that all over the country people did, the winner of the Women's New York Open was Bianca Andrescu. And she wore what almost looked like a rubber band scrunchie on her bicep. When I first saw it, being a mother, I went, "Wait, is that going to stop the circulation?" But then, as she explained, when <laughs> someone asked her, "What? Why is that on your bicep?" she said, "Well, I just have to touch this and flick it, and it brings me back." And I thought, when I was re-reading wow. about, you know, the the, the grounding and the stone, that little girl <laughs> in front of millions of you is was personally using a mindfulness grounding technique to stay focused. And I thought, well, look at that. Yep. Yep. It, it, it was really yep. wonderful.
2: And my daughters my daughters are in their 20s now, and they're really into crystals uh-huh. that have, like, healing powers. And I'm not new age at all. I'm very evidence-based. Um but they they do the crystals thing, and it means something to them. And I know that there's millions of people that do that also. So however it is that this works for you, I had this one client that was going to her. She was flying to Detroit for a funeral, and she knew she was going to have to interact with her sister. And they were um, estranged, like horrible, horrible relationship. And she didn't want to have a here-and-now stone with her because she thought that would be too obvious. So we um, we chose one of her bracelets that she likes, that she was going to wear and keep on at all times, and she was going to be able to look at it and rub it.
1: Wow. The same the same um, idea behind it. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's really great. Um, one of the things, and I want to listen to this to know, when you read Julie's book, especially as you get to the end, Julie shares some very, very difficult experiences with loved ones who are very, very ill and with a teen daughter or a young young daughter struggling with drugs and Julie, what was makes I think your book so powerful is. Julie, you have a way of writing where you're in the moment with you. I mean, you're like holding your breath as Julie's explaining. And then Julie's really talking about how she used loving kindness and sending and receiving meditation. I'm going to ask her to describe that so powerfully um, that you can't help but realize that you this is this is not just something you learned and you're sharing. You've lived this, Julie. And I think that's what makes the book so powerful. I, I was holding my breath while you were describing some of the scenes you've been through and thinking how Aww. viable this mindfulness and strategies and making them a part of who you are. They're called the because we never know. I mean I, I want to listen to this, you know Julie's Julie's um talking to me from a car as her dad's in an emergency room with her sister. So, I mean, talk about relevance to dealing with stress and sharing with all of us what you really used at times as survival techniques, Julie. Um, And I'm very grateful for the way you're sharing them. You say at one point in the book, if you have to take anything away from this, it's the loving kindness technique and it's sending and receiving. Maybe you can tell us about those.
2: Okay, so um, I'd be happy to, and thank you, by the way, for everything you just said. It really warms my heart. No, you're welcome. <clears throat> so, so the loving kindness um, meditation—it's so interesting to me because there's all different kinds of meditation, but scientists have shown that when you practice loving kindness meditation, which is wishing other people well and wishing yourself well, also it makes you more altruistic. So when I lead guided meditations, I'll start people with their breath, if it's available, and then I'll move to a loving kindness meditation. The traditional phrases are, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, and may you live with ease. And you'll start out calling to mind either your pet or a human being that, you don't have a complicated relationship with. You know, someone when you call them to mind that just makes a smile happen on your face naturally, right? And then you're saying these gorgeous phrases. Then you add yourself, so then it's may we be safe, may we be happy, may we be healthy, may we live with ease. And then you can broaden it out literally to the whole planet. And then I usually narrow it back down to just the person themselves. So it would be may I be safe. I do that because... I sneak the person in like that because a lot of people don't feel worthy,
1: mm-hmm. which is a whole
2: other conversation we could have, right? So you don't want to start out with, may I be safe, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I live with these?" because people could have a whole argument in their head <laughs> about why they don't deserve that,
1: right? right. So right.
2: you've really warmed up the heart by the time you just get to them, and then I let them do like a few moments of open awareness, but if they're beginners, not so much that it's completely annoying.
1: Well, that
2: (laughs) chest opener is so healing and it's helpful for the whole globe.
1: Mm. Well, one of the things that I say to being a mother, we all worry, we're like pros at this, but one of the things to replace worrying, because worrying is like having a truck coming at you, it just, kicks right in that fight-flight response is to turn to loving Uh kindness and to substitute the name of your child, that's usually your child, um, into, you know, I use use my son Christopher, may Christopher be safe, may he be happy, may he be healthy, may he be Uh at ease. When you do that, you feel your whole mind and body shift. A, you don't feel so helpless Uh anymore. B, You've just wished a child that you love wonderful things. And then you can, as you say, um, Julie, go to yourself or other members of the family. But I've worked so much with the suffering of mothers who, whether their child is a little four-year-old who doesn't want to get on the school bus or is a teen suffering with bullying, that when we feel helpless, loving kindness, I think, is something you can do, Julie.
2: Yes. Yes. Which brings us to the sending-receiving meditation, which is really something you can do. And I think the reason that it works is because you're actually doing something so that you're not feeling flooded by hopelessness. So when something bad happens on the news, um, and for me, a lot, it's the, any kind of mass shooting. Okay. Or even, even minor shooting, um, I could move into a place of hopelessness and fear and instead I breathe in, I allow the tears and I breathe in the pain and I breathe out light and love and healing. And it sounds counterintuitive and journalists never want to hear about this because they don't think that people would ever want... To breathe in pain. They, they think people should breathe in healing and breathe out pain. And that, by the way, would work too. Um, but the actual Tanglen that Pima Chodron and Tara Brack teach so brilliantly, which is like a Buddhist meditation from thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, actually does work and it mm-hmm. connects you in a very visceral way to common humanity. And it helps because you're actively doing something. You're, you're like morphing pain to healing in your, in your imagination, and it feels that way in your body.
1: You know, Julie, I asked Christopher Gurma when he was on the show <clears throat> if he could help all our caregivers out there, whether they are um, medical caregivers or therapists dealing with um, folks who facing horrific trauma or even attorneys working in immigration, people working with seniors, what type of technique could they use? And he used this and he did just what you said. He said, so I'm going to sort of say it for you, which is you might realize you can't change this situation, but you're going to stay with it and you're going to breathe in the pain that they're suffering and breathe out the love and the hope. And just the way he said it, much as you're saying, is a powerful way of, A, feeling you're doing something and connecting with people. So I'm loving that you brought it up and... And often we feel so helpless when we hear, as you say, what's going on in the world. Or even in a case that we might be working with, sometimes caregivers have to have an alternative to know there's something you can do beside literally magic. Yes, and Chris
2: Chris Germer trained me. Chris and Kristen were the teachers for my Mindful Self-Compassion teacher training.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, so, they're really wonderful. So let's go yep. now to how about the little ones? Um, is there some strategy that parents might use in terms of working with little ones and lowering their stress? Yes. Yeah, so I was on
2: TV last month right before back to school. Um, for Mindful Tips for Back to School,
1: and I went into
2: our local bookstore, Warwick's, and I picked up a bunch of little board books and little kids' books about feelings. So there's a ton of books out right now about talking about your feelings with little kids. And so I Mm -hmm. think that they're developing a vocabulary that my kids didn't really have when they were little. So I think today's little kids and I think the mindfulness in schools movement, kindergarten through 12, has really helped. Um, and there's also this fabulous Sesame Street video with Elmo and the singer and actor Common and Sarah Bareilles called Belly Breathe. Oh, great. And it's about great. when you're feeling anger and how to breathe. I mean, it's adorable. I actually show it when I teach to the grown-ups because mm-hmm. it's so adorable. And it's, and it's applicable because if you're going to do a belly breath, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're going to exhale longer than you inhale, it's going to help you.
1: Okay, we're going to take a brief break because there's some wonderful things for little ones. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're talking about mindful tips to deal with everyday stress as well as catastrophe. Our, our guest expert is Julie Potiker. Mindfulness is something she's been doing for herself and sharing with others. She's the author of Life Falls Apart But You Don't Have To. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up sixty percent since two thousand two, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to "Getting In: A College Coach Conversation," hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: Beauty is always a reflection of how we are taking care of ourselves from the inside, and our business is no different. Building your business brand is a direct reflection of you. In today's competitive landscape, personal and proven leadership skills can ensure that our brands and businesses succeed. Join host Bonnie Bonadeo and
1: visionary guest experts to help you find success. Tune in to beautiful brands inside and out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Welcome back. We're speaking about mindfulness techniques with Julie Potiker, And during the break, we were talking about people journaling and particularly using gratitude journals. And Julie, you were mentioning you don't exactly like journaling. Maybe share what you do with our listeners.
2: Yeah, so... (laughs) I have kind of a love-hate relationship with my gratitude journal. I make myself do it because the science that it will make you happier is incontrovertible. So because I'm kind of a science geek, I make myself do it. But I'm, I, I feel like it's sort of Pollyanna, like, what are the five things you're grateful for each day? So instead of that, I just answer these two questions. What did I enjoy today? And what am I grateful for today? And even if, because I'm a sailor, I went sailing that day and I write one word, sailing, that's Mm -hmm. what I enjoy today, and sailing, that's what I'm grateful for today, that's actually enough to get the benefits in terms of mental health and well-being. And there's like 12 of them. From having a gratitude journal. And some days I write a whole paragraph, but I don't have any rules like I have to write a whole paragraph or a whole page or anything.
1: I think what you're saying is just that you pause. These moments where you stop the action and give yourself the privilege of remembering that you sailed or something that, as you say in the book, makes you smile. At that moment, It sounds too simple to be true, but you're actually changing, you know, your neurophysiology.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Oh, there's there's this gorgeous gratitude jar that I bought for a couple people for graduation and for one of my girlfriends for her birthday, and it came with 365 little cards. And you'd write your gratitude on it each night and put it in the jar, and it it had, like, gratitude written on it in gold letters. And then at the end of the year, or any time, I suppose, that you would need an extra boost, you could dump it out and read all those things, and it would naturally make you feel better.
1: That would also be a great family project. If everybody each evening for for three minutes even just wrote wrote it down, read it to the rest of the family, and dumped it in the jar, how fun would that be? Right, and I've
2: seen school projects where they have Mm -hmm. like googly eyes and foam shapes and markers, and the kids get to decorate their own jar. That's super fun.
1: Yeah, I, I actually think those are the kind of things we always try that with the military children. We're trying always to pass on to them ways, as you're saying, of regulating and finding the spots, the the, the bright and shiny spots in a day that's usually mixed with lots of things. One thing that I think uh-huh. I, I wanted to underscore, maybe you could talk a little bit about it is when you describe the situation with your mom in the hospital, there were times when you were writing that you were doing loving kindness or trying to use some sort of mindful self-compassion. You say you felt like thousands of times a day. And I wanted you to underscore yeah. because I, I t- tell us about that. Well, I, when you feel overwhelmed
2: or afraid or any kind of um, what psychologists like you would call dysregulation, to get yourself back to some sense of balance, which is what I like to call equanimity, um, it it takes a lot of work. And so I was throwing my toolbox at my head every day, and trying different things to, until something worked. So maybe I couldn't ground myself through the soles of my feet, but maybe breathing worked, maybe taking in, um, you know, maybe soothing touch worked sometimes, maybe other times it didn't, maybe telling myself what I needed to hear at that moment worked, maybe it didn't. So all these things, there's, there's probably 28 or 30 things that you could do. One of them will most likely work. Mm-hmm. Or you just keep trying it until it
1: does. You know, Julie, having worked so much with trauma, one of the one of the earmarks of trauma is a sense of helplessness and hopelessness. Having a toolbox of things that you've practiced that you pull out when the unspeakable has happened is extraordinarily important because it really puts you just a little bit in charge. You can't take the whole situation and change it. But what we've been saying today is you can change the level of stress your body's trying to deal with.
2: Something interesting about that, you know, you mentioned Chris Germer in the last segment.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: If I'm ever really upset, like super dysregulated, I'll put on a guided meditation of Chris Germer's and when I hear his voice, I calm down. It's like hmm. have Pavlov dogs and I'm the dog because when I first took Mindful Self-Compassion, which was in 2010-11 when it was invented, um, I didn't take it from him. I took it at UCSD. In San Diego, that's where I live. And then when I had the teacher training in 2014, it was the first cohort of teachers. He was the teacher, and when I met him and actually heard his voice coming out of his mouth and just not in my headphones, I was like, wow, it was so calming. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting because it was a really stressful time in my life that he calmed me down. I can listen to his voice, and it'll calm me down now.
1: You have an enduring relationship with him in terms of stress reduction. But uh, but the the other thing that you're saying, which I want our listeners to know about, and you mention in the book, is the use of the Insight Timer app, which has your guided meditations and thousands of others that people can use as resources. Is that correct? Yeah, and
2: I want to mention that 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 app is free, and I think that's really important because some of the other apps that are... Popular, they'll get you hooked because it feels really good, and then they'll charge you. An insight timer won't do that. And it could be overwhelming because there's such a big range of meditations, but to make it easy, you can tell it how many minutes you want to spend, and then you can go to topics like anxiety, fear, grief, sleep, whatever. You know, you only have 10 minutes. It'll segment it by time, and then you can segment it further by topic.
1: Oh, that's terrific. I think people will really make use of it. Um, the other thing you said that I want you to underscore for all this oh. Go ahead. Go ahead, Julie.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can also search by, by teacher. So if you know you want to hear Chris Germer or Julie Potter or Tara Brock, you can search by them.
1: Okay, all right. That's a tremendous resource. One of the things I, I once asked someone who had been um, who had had been an alcoholic, had gone through rehab, and then got his PhD, and um, he was talking about the use of meditation and breathing. And I said to him, "How does it really work? What does it, difference does it really make in the workplace?" And he said, "When I now know that I can take a breath." Before I react, when I open that space between being enraged and reaction, I'm able to be a different person than I used to be because I put into that space my choice of how I'm going to respond. And so I thought it was such an important thing that he was sharing because it's, again, the whole idea that these strategies give you a sense of ownership, in terms of response, stress, unthinkable things that you may have to face. And I think you you speak a lot about that in the book, and I'm, I'm really suggesting that people read it because some beautiful things are written. Um, if you had to send a message to parents, because you said that's how you started your journey um, with your teens in terms of um, – mindfulness and the strategies to deal when life is falling apart, what are the type of um, guidelines or what is the take-home message that you would be sending?
2: Oh, I would just say, just be kind to yourself and try to start a meditation practice.
1: Do you think that people do better, Julie, when they find a group to meditate with? Or should people start using the online um, courses, or what What would you suggest to someone?
2: I think the easiest thing is to just put in the earbuds and push play. Um, and, <laughs> okay. You know, because an, a, co- a course is like, oh, my God, how am I going to make eight weeks available and show up at right. this time and at this place? And, you know what I mean? That's asking a lot when you're overwhelmed. But you can usually find five minutes. And I used to like to do it in the car When I was picking the kids up for carpool, I used to like to do it in the pickup line.
1: And then when they got in the car, I was really chill. (laughs) That's a great example. That's a wonderful example. Okay, Julie, how can our listeners find you a material, order your book? Tell us about that.
2: My website is mindfulmethodsforlife.com all one word or they could just google julie poddicker and i'll i'll come up and then the book you'll see it on the website and also you know wherever books are sold like amazon's the easiest if you've got kindle it's super super inexpensive and if you've got kindle unlimited it's free
1: okay now you also give these courses how do people find out about those Uh, everything's on
2: my website and also my website has like a library section with everybody else's websites all my teachers anybody who's doing this work that I think is fantastic which is a whole ton of people and their websites and their newsletters so it's really like a good resource section and my blogs are very helpful and You know, there's a media tab so that they can find interviews with me and and all that good stuff.
1: Okay, Julie, I can't thank you enough. I know this afternoon you've been in your car. It hasn't been easy. But uh, on behalf of my listeners, I want to thank you for sharing these important and proven ways of reducing stress um, and improving life, especially today, uh, Mental Health Day, October 10th. Thank you again for joining me.
2: Thank you. I'm so grateful.
1: Okay. Thank you. Um, I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this in any prior show as a podcast. By 6 p.m. tonight, this show will be a podcast on my host site, on the website for Voice America, but also on iTunes, Sketcher, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Google Home, Amazon Alexa, you name it, and we're there, and the podcast is available for you to hear, to use as a resource, and to pass on. Drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next time, remember, take care, thanks, and be listening.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.